Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Welcome to the GM Shuffle, and I am so excited today to welcome in our new co-host, the partner in crime, Adnan so happy to have you I, we did a little mock one that i haven't been able to get out of my head i've been thinking of movies ever since we've done it mike this was the best kept secret going in sports media the fact that you and i had this planned weeks ago we finally were able to come together and make the gm shuffle a reality as you know i'm a huge movie guy we're gonna be talking movies a lot but i think the biggest reason that we're together is this everyone's talking about game of thrones debut you take your cersei take your dragons get out of here sopranos is the greatest show of all time the greatest of all time you and i are going to sprinkle sopranos references more than people have any idea what's coming at them yeah i don't, I don't think it, let's yeah, go I, I can't even like i i try to get into the game of thrones i did i, I tried there's nudity appealing right <laughs> so i want to you know like my wife will let me watch it with her so that's great right, right. so that's you know that's a plus hyper violence nudity yeah. dungeons and dragons yeah, let's go pretty women okay yeah. i'm I just can't get it. Like, I'm just having a hard time with it. The dragons kind of throw me off, you know. But look, I, I, got, I understand how people get it. I do. No, no, no question. I'm not a hater. People love it. I'm, I'm like, not hey, a Congratulations. Hater. All good. It's the most critically acclaimed Emmy Award winning drama of all time. But it's incredibly complicated. You have to make notes the whole time. And I'm like, it's just not for everyone. Yeah, I'd rather watch Killing Eve with that Jodie Cormer girl. Oh, yeah. that, that, Sandra that, that, Oh, great. I mean, awesome. Well yeah. written, you yeah. know, pretty good. Like, to me, I, I'm okay on that. I just have a hard time getting there. You know, Billions is still good, although I Be think. Plus, you know, I think it's a C plus. Yeah, I th a you know, call. because I I think it's too cliche-ish. I think they're trying to integrate too much pop culture. Hopefully, people don't feel that way about you and I when we do this show. <laughs> pop culture right out of the gate. Don't worry, you'll get your NFL yeah. draft stuff later yeah. on. Also, I want to talk about Tiger winning the Masters. We'll do that later on, though. That's why we watch sports. Yeah, that's why we watch sports because what Tiger did. Now people say, oh, you know, you know, but Tiger's past. Look, yeah, there's a fact here that you know there is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, that's why I tell my father all the time. Every time he goes to church and he gets mad at somebody, I say, you know, you go there for forgiveness. Like, can't we bring that back out? <laughs> right. Can't it's we call being a human? Yeah, you yeah, bring chance. that back out when you leave there. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I would marvel at it. I really did. And I got to be honest. Yeah. I want to know from you. Have you ever been to Augusta? I have. I covered it 2008. Right, Tiger for the second by Trevor Immelman. I have not. I want to know. I've not gotten the cheese sandwiches out of my head. Two bucks for a cheese sandwich. Everybody tells me the egg salad's wonderful. Yeah, buck fifty. I want to know where Francesco was eating dinner. <laughs> That's what I want to know, because what self-serving Dago is going down there? Me, I am a full one. I'm completely one, so I could say that. What's yeah. is Where's he eating there? I want to know. <laughs> I was going to say, the chicken parm there is not what you're getting in Jersey. It ain't chicken parm. No, no, no it's I mean, like, where thing. I want, I just kept wondering, like, where's he going for dinner tonight? Yeah, you're not getting authentic Italian cuisine at like, Augusta. And, and right. when he and his caddy were kind of uh, talking in Italian, I'm thinking, where yeah. are they eating tonight? <laughs> Because yeah. he's got to come with them. <laughs> you know what it is? It's kind of like being a Goodfellas. Henry Hills says, I ordered manicotti and I got egg noodles and ketchup. That's exactly what it's like. That's it's what a, I, I think that's change. why he lost. I think yeah. that's what he that attributed to Tiger's great comeback because there was no place for the guy to eat. He was running out of steam. <laughs> that's why he was so short on 12. Yeah. Well, when it comes to food for thought, let's dive into the NFL draft, Mike, yeah. because everyone's talking about Kyler Murray and what could happen. Cardinals at number one. They were three and 13 a season ago. Josh Rosen is the incumbent. Although he's pretty young to be an incumbent, but that is technically the term when you are the returning quarterback. I love Cliff Kingsbury because the fact he's so much fun in college. You know, I worked five years at ESPN covering college football. You know, with Cliff Kingsbury's teams, ton of offense, zero defense. So I don't know how much that's going to translate to the NFL, but I know he has a reputation for high octane offenses. And I'm very curious if you think it's going to happen. Kyler Murray going one to Arizona with Cliff. Everybody that I talk to in the league thinks it's happening. Now, they have not made any attempt to really trade 
Rosen. And, mm-hmm. and I frankly, the more I think about this is they should just hold on to Rosen. Right. Even if they want to take Murray, why sell Rosen at a discount? Why not wait until somebody gets hurt this summer and say, hey, you want a starting quarterback? Here's Josh Rosen. We'll give him to you for, you know, I mean, look. if 12 Sam, cents on the dollar count. Exactly. Sam yeah. Bradford went for a one late. I mean, you know, right. and, and who would have thought that, really? Now, I know Bradford had some really good seasons, but yeah, everybody tells me that that's the case what's moving forward with the Cardinals. Whereas for me, it's funny, Belichick had that quote the other day about how college passing offenses don't relate to the NFL. And it's so true. And so we all look at this game, the fans look at this game and see four receivers and see three receivers. And they say, oh, that's a passing offense. No, it's really not. It's a little bit like the the receiver Metcalf, who everybody was goo-goo over during the draft prep, right? During the combine, because he ran this incredible time. Well, the guy only runs two routes. Like in the NFL, you've got to run more than two routes. Even though you're blazing speed, you have to run those routes with shoulder pads and thigh pads and all that stuff on you. And so when you watch Murray, people say, you know, he's a dropback passer. And I say, okay, yeah, he's a dropback passer, but he's in shotgun, and that pass rush is way different than what he's going to see come Sunday. To that point, you made a great point, Peter King, last week at GM Shuffle, which is that 89% of the time he's dropping back. Okay, fine. But the difference between the A-gaps, between the defensive line, is completely different in college and NFL. It's like a it's like a spread formation almost. Right. Like, it, you can't say, oh, he's 5'10 and a half. He did it at college. He can do it in the NFL. No, no. I'm Listen, I love the guy. If he's going to be a success, power to him. But I'm incredibly skeptical I, I, of the fact he's 5'10". He's going to be a star. And, and I think this whole draft is incredibly down. I think if I had draft picks in this draft, I would go two ways. I would either try to get up and get a bona fide legitimate player in the first 20 picks, whatever I was, right. or all those picks from rounds four on back, I would be selling for next year's picks. All right, so let's go. If the Cardinals, you believe you're hearing that they will take Kyler Murray. If they do not, Niners at two, Jets at three, Raiders at four. We'll get to Raiders in a second. But Jets, you think they may be trying to move down to get Jonah oh, I, Williams, who's the offensive tackle. Yeah, I think the Jets, look, look. let's face it, they, the, everybody's talking defensive linemen, and certainly they need that. Right. But what they need more than anything is a protector for the left side. Right. And I think that's what they want to do, and they don't want to overspend it at the first pick to get it. They want to recoup some of the investment that they made in Darnold and still get the left tackle that they want. So they're shopping that pick. Mm-hmm. I think they'll trade that pick out of there. Now, if somebody wants to come up and get it, the problem with this draft is the best player in the draft, Jeffrey Simmons, has got a bunch of stuff going on with yeah. him. He's got the video, which is indicting enough, okay, and challenging for any team to draft. And then he's got the knee injury coming off the ACL. So you've got those two factors playing for you. And then Josh Sweat, the other best pass rusher in the draft, is not on a lot of people's boards because of the heart murmur. Right. So he there you go. So now where are you who's coming up to get somebody? Is somebody jumping ahead of of the Raiders to get Quentin Williams, who I think is one of the best players in the draft. Let me just be on record by saying this. I think Simmons the defensive tackle from Mississippi State is the best player in the draft. Now, that's not counting character and everything else that goes along with it. But let's discuss that further. He had malicious mischief and simple salt back in 2016. Now, the athletic director at the time, they investigated, they said, you know what, whatever happened to happen, we're getting him a fresh start. At Mississippi State, first team All-SEC, second team All-American, never had any issues off the field, Uh, 163 tackles, 38 games in three seasons, was SEC academic honor roll. Now, and the downsides, he disappeared against Alabama, a little too reliant on the bull rush. But to your point, if you believe in talent and upside, okay, is there a character issue? Yes, but it was a few years ago. If you're willing to say 
He had a mistake. He owned up to it, and he's been great since then. But I'm with you that that guy's a top 10 pick. Right, and you just got to look past the injury and say, look, the ACL, it's clean. It's going to heal. We're in a world now where ACLs come back quickly, and you can. I, I think this guy's really a good player. He can take over a game. He's one of the few players in this draft that you sit there and say, oh, that guy's got a chance to go to the Pro Bowl. This draft is not loaded with Pro Bowl players. This draft is loaded with good players. So whatever you might pick at 10, you could pick at 40 conceivably and get the same player. What I think people really, you really miss- think that, wow, like there's that much. Yeah, here, here's what I think we never talk about. We never discuss this at all on air, is there's two boards that you look at on draft day. Mm-hmm. The vertical board, which is the players at the position, and the horizontal board, which is how it relates to everybody else. So for example, if you like a left tackle, let's say you like Williams, and you graded him a first-round grade of a 7-0 grade, let's mm-hmm. say, and you like a defensive lineman at a 7-0 grade. Well, you have to separate that. That's the horizontal board. Right. And the horizontal board doesn't separate just because we need a tackle, we don't need a guard. It doesn't separate that way. It separates by who can be the better player. Because right. even though they both carry the same grade, somebody's the better player. And that's that immortal question when it comes up. Do you, when you're Michael Lombardi, you're in their draft, you go, hey, guys, this guy's way too big a talent. I know we're strong at defensive end, but we got to take this guy. Right. Or do you draft by need? Well, because most of the time we have this thing where, where teams are in such situational value base where they right. say, we got to win next year. We got to do it. Tampa Bay, you know, you know, if you're Jason Light, you got to win next year because even though Bruce Arians just came in, if Bruce doesn't win, you're, they're going to blame you. You're gone. Right. So he's going to forget about what holes are in his positions. And he's not even concerning himself with the horizontal board. He's yeah. only looking vertical board. Exactly. Give me the talent. Just give me the vertical board. Whereas right. the good general managers in the league have to look at the horizontal board. And that's what the last month of the season of the draft preparation is all about. What player fits and how do I do it? Do I really pat? And we've done this numerous times in careers. I mean, you know, you're sitting there in the draft. You take David Johnson or you take a strong safety. What do you do? You know, even though you have the same grade on them, they're not the same player. You know, and then after it over, they come out and say, well, how did you have them graded? Well, we liked them both equally but we took the player we needed. A team that I'm sure ignores the horizontal board is the Raiders. They seem to me, Mike, they just go, hey, sexy talent. It's in bright lights. It's like a Vegas showgirl. eh? We love beach blondes. Let's go. I love Gruden. You know, (laughs) you had the great line with Peter. You said he's like the fat guy at the grocery store. Just give me a little bit of everything. And once he has it, he gets tired of it easily. Well, you know, it's Parcells used to say all the time, don't get distracted by the girl with big boobs. Okay. Don't get distracted. He would always We've tell all me. We've been there. <laughs> don't, oh, you know, you're, you're looking at the boobs, kid. That's what he would say all the time. You're looking at the boobs, kid. You know, like, okay, time out. You know, and I, that's what Gruden, Gruden, oh, another receiver? I'll right. take one. Wow. Oh, Ryan Grant? Oh, oh sure, why not? I got really long, blonde, blowing like, hair. I love no, it. Like, never do I ever sit down and say, how am I going to give reps to all these players? Like, what am I going to do? And I love the fact that he put it on Mayock. Well, it's up to Mayock to do good. Oh, oh like, like is he that. going to Hawaii for the week? How would you feel to be Mayock right now? You are the GM in name, but there's no question. Whatever Gruden's, I don't want to call him a puppet. Maybe that's harsh. Whatever Gruden's saying, you're doing, correct? Oh, and and Mike's been on the road almost every single pro day. I mean, he's working on the pro days when really he's thinking of himself as a scout. Like, you shouldn't be on the pro days. You should be back in the office going over the horizontal board, breaking the, you got to sit there and constantly go on. Going to pro days is great, okay? You interview on NFL Network and everybody sees you there and everybody, oh, he's working hard. Yeah. But the time from that gets from, you know, you ever been to Clemson, South Carolina? I have. There's not a whole lot there. They know Italian food there either. <laughs> they <laughs> got the rock, which is nice. Francesco would have had a hard time there, too. All right. If any tournament in South Francesco Carolina, Bolinari he should withdraw immediately. He should withdraw immediately. Anyway, so, you know, like, it takes you a day to get there and a day to get the hell out. 
Yeah. And if you're in Oakland, so you're, and don't tell me you're looking at it on your iPad. Oh, I'm in my hotel room. No, that's not the same thing. Right. And so you constantly have to break up the horizontal board. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in your office doing it, it becomes a problem. I think what Mike's done, and I've said this to numerous people, I would rather have 12 hours of root canal than be in the draft room with Gruden. <laughs> Seriously, 12 hours. <laughs> have you had a root canal? I've had one. I've had one. Horrific. I'm it's very claustrophobic. I'd rather have 12 hours no, 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 of root no, canal no, than no, be in the draft I'll, room. I'll take root. I don't want I would canal. rather have 12 hours of that. Yeah, put, because sign of me the, up for that. Because the fact... What exactly about it would be so alienating? And because that, he, he doesn't no listen idea. to you? Because he wouldn't listen, and, and as soon as somebody with big boobs come by, let's get him. <laughs> and especially if it's a receiver. Oh, I got to have Receivers him. I got to have him. Oh, I got to get him. Look at go. this talent I have. What people don't understand is I'm not just saying this because I'm mad at John. Like sure. I've lived with John, okay? So when John was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, riding his bicycle to work, yeah. okay, that his bicycle crashed into a snowbank that was so big mm-hmm. that it, it broke up. He only had one car at the time. Right. And my friend had to literally pick him up at 4 o'clock in the morning because he only had one car in the family. So when John left Green Bay to come to Philadelphia, yeah. I was in Philly for the one year. And he would constantly walk around the building and say, you know, we got no talent. I mean, Jesus Christ, they expected me. To... Now, we had Ricky Waters, Charlie Gardner, Irving Fryer. We had Jason Dunn, mm-hmm. we had, who was a really good tight end but was horrible. Yeah. You know, and so he complained the whole time. We had no talent. Right. We weren't that talented in the offensive line, but we had some skill. Chris Jones, who went on to go to have a really good season one year. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, he leaves and he goes out to Oakland. I get to Oakland. Yeah. And what all I hear about is how good the players were in Philly and they got, we got shit in Oakland. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. They're making me play with this crap. I got Al Davis, a Hall of Fame owner, and he's making me play with this crap. In Philly, I mean, I had Ricky Waters. I had Charlie Gardner. I had Irving Fryer. Is, is he doing that for motivation? Like Exa- Lou Holtz would poor mouth all the time. My guy's stink. He's doing it have because no chance. it's convincing himself that if it's not for him, they'll never get a first down. It's an egotistical way. It's the only way he can work. Right. It's the only way he can work. It's like, I, I got to get up at four in the morning because I got no players. I got to divide, you know, I got to try to get a first down. But, and then when he's in Oakland, he's got no players either. And he's got Rich Gannon, the MVP of the league, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, that's where I, un, like I, and I've said this in the last podcast, when he went to Tampa, you know, I told the guys in Tampa, I said, look, if the CIA needed an expert on Gruden, I'm the guy. Like right now, sign me well, up. Hey, so since you're the expert, if I said to John Gruden, hey, man, I think you're horribly overrated. You won that Super Bowl because that was Tony Dungy's guys. What would his response be? Oh, man, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Look so at Brad Dungy's Johnson's g- numbers. You know? But, you know, look, I think... I Great. Think- okay, would you, would you give me this. Admittedly, being in a room at Gruden would be tough, and the 12 hours of Rookin' is better. Is he a gifted offensive coach still? Uh, that remains to be seen. It, that yeah. When I last saw him, I thought he was really good. I think the problem John has is change. Right. I think John has a lot of great ideas. I think they're hard to implement. I think John still wants to come back and do what John's very comfortable do. Why two spider banana? You know, yes. give me, give me, you know. Definitely love that on ESPN. It was yeah. I know, oh, we got okay. it. We got you it. Know, cool give me you for me. You know, he, he calls it out. But, I, you know, look, I, I think that remains to be seen. And I think defensively, they're going to have to prove that where they are defensively, can they come through it too? So I still think they really have, I mean, this whole thing with Mayock and, and Derek Carr yeah. admitting that, you know, like they're going to draft a quarterback. So, so May, let me get this right. Mayock essentially said, Derek Carr's our quarterback. We like him. If there's another quarterback who's available, we're going to take him. Yeah, it's like, right? he's a, well, Derek Carr's on consignment. <laughs> he's on consignment. I mean, seriously, <laughs> he's on consignment. He, he, listen, if you're making, either you say, listen, Carr's our guy, come hell or high water, and you can lie and draft somebody else, that's fine. Or you say, you know what? He's going to prove a lot to us, and that he'll get the message, hey, I'm on the block. Don't say, he's our guy, but we're going to look at other guys as well. well. Yeah, because it goes back to the guy who, who he's actually working for, believe that whenever you talk to the media, Al Davis, you're yeah. talking to three people. 
And so he's violated that rule right there. If he would have came into the room after that, and I would have just absolutely ridiculed him because right. he's not sending the right message to the players. He's not sending the right message to the coaches or the organization, and he's not sending the right message to the fans because the fans don't know. Raiders are drafting four. So if Kyler Murray is available, they'll take him. But you believe, as you've heard, the Cardinals will take Kyler Murray at one. This brings us to the conversation of smallish quarterbacks and Russell Wilson, who I think is a fascinating person. Yeah. I really do. Because people either love him and go, oh, he's so gutsy and moxie, won the Super Bowl. Or guys say, he's kind of overrated. He's a smallish guy. He's the benefit of a great defense, good infrastructure, good coach, etc. Where are you first off in evaluating Russell Wilson, and where does that line up with what Seattle feels about him with the fact he's a very expensive quarterback? Russell on a rookie contract's really attractive. Russell at $30 million, you know, good luck. Because if you sit back, and fans don't do this, but if you sit back and say, timeout, let's take every third and seven where he has to be in the pocket and has to make an unbelievably accurate throw where he can see people. Not happening. Ain't happening. He's great when he gets out of the pocket. Same thing with Kyler Murray. Loose plays are the, what his the, specialty are. They're better with a with a lousy offensive line. That's exactly right. right? You, you, I, that's why we're on the same page right? here. I kept thinking with Kyler Murray. You think he's to be a stud? I go, if he's got a bad offensive line, he might be pretty good. It'd be great. If he's a good offensive line, I don't like it. No. I don't, and with two minutes to play and everyone's playing between the tackles, I don't like it. No, so I think that Seattle's feeling is, look, I think this whole Frank Clark thing, uh, the defensive line and the, who they're thinking about trading, there's been rumors everybody He's talking about it's buzz in the league. Yeah. I talked to a team this morning, and they think it's real. They just don't know what team it is. Could it be Kansas City? Which, for me, if Kansas City takes on Frank Clark and that problems, because yeah. Frank Clark doesn't come with a bow and a and a lily on his shoulder saying, "Oh, hey, everything's nice," you know. Frank <laughs> Clark comes with some baggage. Now, yeah. I will say, you know, whether they can handle it or not, I'm not saying Frank Clark's a bad guy. Just he yeah. comes with some things to put in a room where you have the Tyreek Hill thing that's still going on. I wonder if you can do that. Speaking of baggage, I find this one fascinating. Bosa is supposed to be an absolute stud, yet rather than this image of a young, left-leaning quarterback, he's the other way. No, no, he loves Trump. He's very anti the establishment. And the fact that he said, I'm going to stop talking and stop tweeting because San Francisco's interested in me, and he's been a guy who's been critical of Colin Kaepernick. I said, this is amazing. This is a guy who's purely on the right wing here, and he's <laughs> saying, I can't insult people in San Francisco because I might go there. You're the GM, Mike. Do you call me and go, hey, man, I don't give a damn what your politics are, but you got to shut it down, or I don't care what your politics are, and keep speaking your politics, because you know what? You're a great player, so do what you want. Well, there's a twofold answer to that. Yeah, I, you know, I don't care what your politics are, but you are a public figure, and you need to temper it down. Like, you don't need to tell everybody what your politics are. Right. You can keep them yourself. Now, if you want to go on the campaign trail, and you want to start running for office, that's your business. You know, you can go do that. <laughs> you can't wear a MAGA hat to yeah, practice. Exactly. Like, right. look, well, this is not NPR over here. We're not doing a show. Okay, so <laughs> temper it down. Right. and just and worry about football and then everything else will come into play. I think that's the smart play. Like these kids, they all need advice and counsel. Would it actually impact you with a city like San Francisco, which is so liberal, which had Kaepernick, would there be any sort of backlash bill going, hang on a second, this guy is on this side and he criticized Kaepernick? I don't think so. I don't think so either. If you're a talented guy, I don't give a damn who you cheer for. I think it'll take San Francisco all of about 30 seconds to turn the card in. I think that the commissioner won't be back in his seat after he turns the, before he's got to get his ass back up and go back to the podium. We'll have 17 commercials. Yeah. You know, we'll have 17 (laughs) commercials. We'll look at Mel's mock 47 times before that. Oh my God, Point out, no, no, yeah. more like forty point no, 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 no. Then we got Mel's mock, and then poor Todd, he doesn't get to come in. He, he doesn't, doesn't get nearly enough. Love, he he doesn't get to come in until two, he doesn't get to come in until Friday. He's throwing <laughs> in the bullpen. He's like that guy at the Mets game. He keeps throwing. He never gets in the game. I texted my buddy Trey Wingo. I said, "How's the prep going?" He goes, "My eyes are bleeding because we're pretty good right now." It's unbelievable. You're the same way. It's the amount of prep you do on every single one of these guys. It's absurd. Yeah, well, I you mean, have to. But I think what what really lacks on these shows is the advancement of it. Like, don't tell me like this is one of Bill Walsh's pet peeves. Don't tell me the 
guy's a first rounder. Tell me that what the guy's going to do for the team. Right. Like Bosa comes in and he allows them to have an edge presence opposite D Ford. If that's who right. San Francisco drafts. Right. You know, if they draft Jonah Williams in, in, at the Jets, then Kelvin Beecham's not your left tackle any longer, which is good for Sam Darnold. Sure. And now we have a left tackle, and here's why we're going to do this, and here are the pieces that come around it. All right, that's the draft right now. We're going to talk a lot of draft next week, of course, on GM Shuffle. A couple other topics I just want to hit on here, Mike. Vikings and Adam Thielen agreeing to a four-year, $64 million extension. What pieces are you looking at in the rest of your roster? How does this impact things? He's a top five wide receiver. Right. He got paid like one. Well, I mean, he wasn't coming to camp. I mean, there was talk right around the free agency started that, that they would move Thielen right. because they knew they couldn't get him to come into camp. And whoever took him was going to have to redo his contract. I mean, this wasn't like, I'm an asshole, you either pay me or I'm leaving. This was, hey, fellas, look at my production. I'm underpaid. This is the problem as an executive when you do a contract too early. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've worked for some guys that, oh, we got this guy for so cheap. We got him for so cheap. Mm-hmm. It, it really don't work for you. I think the Patriots have redone Patrick Chung's contract 17,000 times. <laughs> like, they just keep redoing it. Those safeties, you got to love them. Uh, I mean, he keeps redoing it. And because it's unfair, because when you do a contract too early, it really looks good for the team in the short term, Mm -hmm. but it affects your locker room. And so you think you win, but you create a tension locker room. And this is what happened with the Thielen deal. Yeah, that was smart for them to do an early deal, no doubt. It's even smarter for them to redo the deal because he's outplayed the deal. He's outplayed the deal. And they need cap room. They need cap room badly. I could see them trading Kyle Rudolph during the draft Mm -hmm. if they got the right deal because they're going to have to create some cap room. They're going to draft an offensive lineman to help their line or a defensive lineman to help their defensive line, and they need the cap room. So Thielen, and I haven't seen the numbers yet, but I'm sure it lowered his cap number and gave them some flexibility. Minnesota is an interesting theme, though, man. I remember the last couple of years going, hey, great defense. Cousins isn't great, but he's a top 10 quarterback. Thielen's unbelievable. Like They should be right there. They they, they seem to be... Like, well, what is it exactly they're lacking? Because I know I'm not I, fully sold on them. I think they, you know, losing Tony Sperano really hurt them last year. God rest his soul. I mean, that really affected their offensive line, and I think that they never were able to overcome that, and that affected their running game. And I think they have a lot of moving parts. And I think the one thing where Zimmer feels like his team wasn't as good last year was the defensive front. Yeah. You know, Everson Griffin, who they've tried to trade, wasn't the same player. Had some personal issues off the field. Obviously, he went away. You know, Danielle Hunter's a really good player, but they haven't. Sheldon Richardson. I mean, I know Cleveland paid him. I don't know what tape Cleveland was watching to pay Sheldon Richardson last year. Seriously. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's really just living off the rep. But it's, he's a name. You see Sheldon I mean, Richardson. Living, like, yeah, oh, yeah, good stuff. player. Good, yeah. If you watched him on tape, I mean, it's like That's it's it. like Gerald McCoy. They're trying to trade Gerald McCoy. No, they're not trying to trade Gerald McCoy. They're trying to trade $13 million. They don't want to pay him. Right. Right? Like, they know they can't trade Gerald McCoy. Like, they would do a deal. You, if you take McCoy, we'll give you six. If They're just trying to take a bad situation and make it less bad right. is what they're doing. It's the same thing with Sheldon. Like Sheldon didn't play anywhere near the level to warrant a good contract, and he got it. So that that hurt them last year. They paid Richardson, I think, eight or nine million dollars, almost ten million, on a one-year deal, and he did nothing for him. And so their defensive front, look, that front there is really all about the defense. The defense sets the front, and I think that Mike realizes they didn't play very well, and that's part of their problem too. Dealer's choice. You want to talk Tiger, and on that note, or you want to talk about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and what's going on there? Let's talk Tiger, and we'll start with the Packers. Okay, so here's my question for you. Yeah. I read the Armageddon book. It's a fabulous book. Right. People love heroes. People love diminished heroes, damaged heroes, second acts, comeback stories. I'm not a big golf guy, but I love Tiger. That's right. like 90% of this country. I think he's charismatic. I think he's uh, dedicated. He wills himself to win. I recognize the fact he had a domineering father who probably drove him way too hard, a lot of pain, et cetera. 
And I get the fact he had his scandals, personal issues. I don't judge that. Physically, his body was deteriorated, back injuries, etc. Guy had a DUI. Forget that video, how awful that was. You go, this guy's never going to be together. Here's my question to you. I'm happy for him. I think it's a wonderful moment. The best video was his son coming and hugging him. His son never got to see all those victories. His daughter as well. Can you explain to me, Mike Lombardi, on my Twitter feed, the amount of women who are resoundingly in favor of this guy? Because I get the guys going, hey, whatever, man. He cheated on his wife. He had some issues. What are you going to do? Hey, that's, that's guys being guys. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah, no. But look, fine. He got caught. He changed his life. He's a great golfer. Always to watch him play. The amount of women on my feed are going, I love Tiger. He's the best. I paid 16 bucks for Wi Fi to play just to watch Tiger. I'm like, wait, <laughs> hey, hang on a second. So if your husband did this to you, hang on a second. Like, how, how, how does he get to pass? I'm fine with it. I just don't get it. I think if I try to get into the mind of women i i i'm gonna be completely you know talking about a movie that, that one of my favorite movies is with jack nicholson when he's the writer oh, uh, as good as it gets as good as it gets and he's standing there at the elevator and the girl comes up to him and says oh my god i love you so much how do you write women so well and he says i think I th- of a man and i take away reason and accountability <laughs> there's my answer there's my answer to you that's what i it's think it's completely of irrational i don't get it this guy was that's brutal. my answer i mean jack gave the right answer so remove that equation of why females love tiger as you said, as a fan of sports watching that, I mean, how could you not root for the guy? I, He's I was been rooting. kicked to the ground as worse as anybody in our lifetime, physically, emotionally, personally. And, you know, look, and it, I, I was impressed by the people that stayed with him. I mean, that guy that hugged him, one of the guys that yeah. hugged him had been with him a long time. Yeah. I think what was what's remarkable is, is that he was dealing in the unknown of whether he was ever going to get back, yet he was working as hard as ever to get back. Yeah. That plays with your mind. Like, why am I doing this? Right. Like, I'm Tiger Woods. I got, I got a G4. You know, <laughs> I got everything I need, right? I yeah. got a property in Jupiter that, that extends to the world. Right, right? Tops' story in him had him, like, playing video games until 4 in the morning. He wanted to be like a Navy SEAL at one point. I, I mean, it's Crazy. really remarkable. My, I got addicted. I don't play golf because yeah. when you work for Al Davis, there's two things you can't do. is You can't play golf and you can't smoke a pipe. Those are, <laughs> those are completely against it. Give me the pipe store. What's the specific I reason behind it? I think he thinks it? pipe smokers are too laid back. That's fair. I think so. I, think, I never I, asked him why, <laughs> but I just know pipe smoking. Right. He thought it was pretentious, like yeah. Masterpiece Theater. Here we yeah, are. Exactly. You got a robe yeah, or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that. You know, he, that. Yeah. So I'd never play golf, but I got addicted to Tiger Woods golf when my kids were little. Right. And so I'm playing, t- like, I'm literally, I needed to go to rehab because I would come home at 10 o'clock at night and I would get to the PlayStation and I would play Pebble and I'd shoot 58, 59. Yeah. And I was like playing all over. And I was like, there's no way. I was completely addicted. So one year, the Pebbles going on, Pebble Beach. I would go down to Pebble Beach all the time because I worked at CBS and I knew all the Pebble Beach people. I knew all the CBS golf people, Lance Barrows and, of course, the great yeah. James Nance. Right. And so I would go down there. My wife, Millie, and I, we would walk around the course and hang out. And there's a great lodge called Bernardus, which is a 10 miles out. There. Really wonderful. So you, it's a really a great spot. So I would go out there. And so Belichick's playing in it one year. And, of course, I went on a Saturday, which is a complete violation oh. of the Raider Geneva Convention rules, Watch which is out. you're not allowed to leave your desk on a Saturday. Like, <laughs> you have to be at your desk on Saturday. I went down there Friday night. You could be playing Tetris yeah. on your computer. That's yeah, fine. Well, yeah, yeah, you could. Exactly. You could just, just be here. Where, where the fuck are you? Oh, I'm down here playing. So, anyway, so I'm walking. So, Belichick sees me, and the guy who is, runs Pebble is a huge Patriot fan. Yeah. And so, Bill. And so, Belichick sees me walking. the course, says, come on over here. Like, walk with me. So, I go over there, and, you know, and we start walking. I'm like, Bill, you can't hit it over there. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, you, you can't hit it. You got to go left of the flag here. And so he's like, okay. It's like typical Belichick. He kind of takes it to the next hole. We start talking, talking about players. Yeah. I said, Bill, you want to be like on the right side of the screen over here? He said, what? You don't play golf. Like, how do you? I said, I play Tiger Woods. I know this course like the back of my hand. <laughs> I know it like the back of my hand. And it's so unbelievable. 
Like I think that whole the the Tiger Woods, like he was generational. Yeah. He really was. And those like a, a friend of mine, Alec, who's in Orlando, he was posting on his social media, and he had a red shirt on, and he's like, "I grew up in Orlando. I like this was my guy." It's interesting to talk about great comebacks ever in sports. And uh, I was thinking, you know, George Foreman was like homeless, living under a bridge. Like right. that, that's that's pretty low. Right. Um, Tony Cagliaro got beaten by a ball in baseball. But think There's about it. it. Why, why do we love Rocky? Why do we love Rocky? I mean, this was a Rocky yeah. getting his ass. Kicked. I mean, here he is. You know, right. he trains, he eats the. You know what I mean? This yeah. is this was so much Tiger. I mean, you know, and and I think what I think people don't realize as you get older, you lose that will to concentrate. I think you see it with Mickelson at times. You know, those putts he used to be able to make or the ability to concentrate for, like I was with Freddie one time five years ago and I said, do you think you can win another Masters? And he's like, I don't think I can string 72 holes together good at this age. That consistency is insane. Yeah, like the volume. Well, here's the thing. And Tiger came from behind to win. I know. It's it's the first time he's ever done it. (laughs) That's the thing. I go, hang on a second. He's never done that to a major? Nope. So he had to not only think about all this adversity, the weight of the world. Oh my God, I'm on the precipice of doing something. And I got to catch this Francisco Molinari. Yeah, and I'm too who sh- can't I'm- get a decent meal in the whole damn <laughs> He hasn't town. eaten in four days. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm still wearing Tiger Red, and I have to overcome this. You know who else is a big winner? Nike. Huge. Buick dropped him. All these other places, Nike is like, we stuck with him, man. Yeah. Brand loyalty all the way. That Nike commercial, you get chills right away. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. When you when I walk back to the train station from here and I see the Nike ads on the billboard, it's just they're, they're the best ads ever. <laughs> I can only imagine what they're going to do. But, you know, and that's a great book. Have you ever read the Phil Knight book? I haven't. I heard it's amazing. It's an amazing book about a man who overcame everything. And yeah. I think that's what he identifies with, not in terms of his personal life, but the business life and how he developed it. So Tiger Woods were A plus on Game of Thrones were down on another issue uh, incest like there's a lot of incest in that show I'm like hang yeah. on a second like wait this cousin sleeping with this cousin like, well they're not first cousins well okay they're cousins yeah it's like I Elvis mean, kissing cousins I mean, you here. almost have to write like I I was at the point where I started writing names. like I don't know who's who I have no idea what's you know, going they on they got to give you like a media guide on that show just to recap here's what's going like, on who is this guy where I love, you come from the only guy, Tyrion Lannister I love Peter Dinklage he's unbelievable because he's like the Lannisters are the bad guys but he's like the good bad guy. <laughs> I, I, I can't get it. I can't get you it. You lost it to dragons. Are you a Lord of the Rings guy? No. No, I didn't do that no, either. Yeah, yeah I, I can't get it. I, I And I'm not any of the, the Harry Potter ones. I can't get into those. You're not missing out. Last thought about Uncle Junior. How cool is this? You're in The Sopranos, which is the greatest show of all time. He was also Johnny Ola in it's Godfather amazing. 2. And he doesn't even look anything like Johnny <laughs> no, Ola. Like, when you tell people, they go, he's Johnny Ola. Are you kidding? Go watch Godfather 2. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. And he's a great singer. And he, he plays here in New York all the time. He's really? playing. He, he has like, he plays a little lounge club. He still sings. <laughs> I just want to go over there and like tell Uncle Junior stories. That's all I want to do. GM Shuffle Roadshow. You, me, Uncle June. I think we should have him on. This was a lot of fun, man. Thank you. Appreciate all your listening. If anyone has any questions, would love to hear from you. The GM Shuffle at gmail.com is the best email address. You know you can get us on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, radio.com, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll be back to talk about the NFL draft, the NFL offseason, and everything that happens around the NFL.